Welcome to our first Titan Talks episode of 2023. To kick off January's episode, we are joined today by Scott Pedersen, uh, Regional Sales Manager for the Western U.S. region. Scott has an extensive career in shipping, logistics, and the supply chain security industry here at Titan Brooks. Scott, great to finally have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us today on Titan Talks. Thank you, Jeremy. Pleased to be here today. <clears throat> Excellent. Great. And uh, Scott, as you know, you know, we have a focus this month uh, in particular on the automotive sector and EVs. And so knowing your expertise in this area, I wanted to have you on the podcast to help listeners understand how the automotive industry secures their shipments in North America. And um, I'm sure you may have some insights, you know, latest industry news or just some solutions that, you know, you've worked on uh, that might be unique that you want to share with everybody today. Sure. Um, let me first give you a little background on myself. I, uh, I worked in uh, automotive retail for four years uh, back in my 20s and then went to grad school and uh, came out of that uh, getting into the international shipping business with Sealand Service and NYK Line. That uh, lasted roughly 15 years uh, and then I had a brief foray into supply chain software, scheduling software, tracking software. Uh, which has uh, been quite valuable uh, in the seal industry, actually. And uh, after that brief array, I got uh, was hired by Tyden Brook Bramel, excuse me, Tyden Bramel initially before we merged with uh, E.J. Brooks and became uh, Tyden Brooks. Yeah, I knew you had a, an extensive background with obviously shipping and logistics, and and you know that's why I thought, hey, who better to have on the uh, the call to explain that to our, our listeners. So um, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and fire away and maybe share uh, the basics to everybody of, you know, how we secure it, whether it could be, you know, obviously on truck, maybe parts um, or rail um, or even international shipments. Sure. Well, I was focused primarily on uh, the security of auto rack rail cars and uh, some of the challenges that auto shippers potentially face if they don't properly secure uh, the, the auto racks. To quickly get into addressing it, uh, I would first like to say, since EVs are part of the, uh, the monthly discussion, uh, that really there's no difference in the loading or the securing of an EV uh, versus a gasoline-powered vehicle. In fact, they're actually shipped together uh, so the, the big difference is the EV wouldn't have any gasoline on board, but would have somewhat of a charge on its battery. So the vehicles can be driven on and off to the articulated uh, uh, 10 section rail cars. Interesting. So these rail cars, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will be familiar with them, are somewhat translucent from the side because they basically have a cage-type exterior, and uh, they're quite boxy and typically yellow in color. And they have two places that they open, the front and the back, uh, and the doors are quite tall. I would estimate 14 feet high, 
and are quite heavy and uh, are actually fairly easy to open uh, if they're not locked. So that's where our seals come in. Our seals are used to lock the front and the back of those auto racks and uh, just to slip it in, uh, the front seal, the direction the headlights are pointed on the vehicles inside should always be fastened with a green colored seal. Um, I'm guessing that most people that are involved with shipping cars already know this, but therefore they need to be ordered in pairs with a neutral color for the backside of the rail car. The types of seals that are commonly used are high security seals. I have seen mild bolt seals used, but I don't recommend those because the typical length of a mild bolt seal is not sufficient to uh, bridge the the distance needed to slide it through the hasp and still be able to get the locking body on the bottom. I have seen it done though, and so I, I'm not gonna say it can't be done. However, that is why more people that are not using hardened bolt seals select cable seals to secure the rail car. Typically, they will order a high security cable, uh, one eighth of an inch in diameter, maybe 3.5 millimeters. I ha- have seen uh, three sixteenths of an inch or five millimeter cable seals used for the same purpose. There's a huge difference in the difficulty of cutting those various thicknesses uh, with a 3.5 millimeter or a one eighth inch diameter being cuttable with what I'll call a C7, a handheld cable cutter that could theoretically be kept in a person's pocket and not even noticeable. The five millimeter can't be cut with a handheld. So anybody that wants to cut that with a cable cutter is gonna have to bring a something somewhere in the order of 20 to 36 inches in length with two handles for leverage. Um, So setting those aside, there's one other option and it's very commonly used and that would be a hardened bolt seal. And what I mean by hardened is they would be uh, rated as a Rockwell 42 or 44 uh, on their hardness scale. These are typically Four inch, four inches long or longer. Uh, I've seen six inch, which is kind of overkill at this point, but, uh, uh, and they have about a 15 degree bend in the middle to make them easier to slide into the hasps. There are a handful of options to choose from, some designed to accommodate a barcode and others simply used as a barrier. And usually they, those would only include a serial number. Of course, as I've just mentioned, 50% of those seals that are produced would be green. And uh, there's various shades of green that I've seen in the marketplace. Something that would be more uh, fluorescent would be more desirable as these rail cars are viewed at night and a darker green seal can show up under flashlight as basically black. So right. in that case, they're going to have to get a little closer. And a lot of times they'll just shine their flashlights into the through the uh, side of the rail car to make a quick uh, determination of which way the cars are positioned inside of there. 
And the reason that they do that is that there have been situations where rail cars have been turned around uh, when they're off onto, onto a side track. And I have heard stories of these rail cars reconnected to nine other rail cars, completely messing up the unloading process. Oh, wow. That would be horrible. It wouldn't. It's very expensive. So anyway, uh, some of the risk factors that auto shippers face would include, and these are kind of in the order of frequency, uh, seals that have not been locked by the loading contractors. Uh, that does happen, and in which case often they are caught before they leave the rail property, but sometimes they are not and they arrive at destination and they do hear about it. Other situations are where they buy an inferior bolt seal and the the fastening of the locking body does not go smoothly. And so in many cases I've heard, oh, I pounded that seal on with a, a rock or some other tool that's readily available to get it to, to stay on. However, wow. that doesn't necessarily lock the seal. And, of course, then there's situations where the locking body drops off the bolt and the and the rail car is simply moving along with the shank hanging in the hasp but no locking body on the bottom. Wow, making it really vulnerable then too. Yes, uh, and what I've observed over the last almost 20 years is the ones that have the poor locking mechanisms and tend to fail are coming straight from Asia and they aren't going through any kind of a quality control process. So that's something that Tyden Brooks is very good at. And uh, as an employee of Tyden Brooks, I've been able to speak with a number of shippers who have come back to us if they've left because the quality of the seals were not there. Yep. Yeah, we're definitely known for that. And obviously, you know, our ISO 9001 standard is super important. But like you say, um, <laughs> who you get it from, their quality control measures, how they go about doing that when they're producing these hardened bolts is is critical for sure. Yes, exactly. Well, historically, auto rack rail cars, at least going back, let's say, 20 to 30 years, there was a high frequency of bad order cars. And the, when I say bad order, that typically was in reference to the doors. Being that the, the doors are so tall, they were easily getting out of shape, so to speak. So they weren't really overlapping properly or sealing at the top effectively. And so one of the th frequently heard stories from those days were that people would climb on top of the auto rack and uh, find a way to pry out the top parts of the doors since the bottom was the place it was secured and then slide inside of the car, the rail car. <laughs> I've and, heard about that. Yeah, I remember yes. hearing about it. It's just uh, crazy people would attempt that considering how high up there you go. But when you want to get in, I guess you'll do whatever it takes. Well, if it's a free ride across the country, uh, it might be very appetizing for some people. And then they can get inside and then work their way from car to car to car or truck to truck to truck and uh, stay warm in the winter by running the gas out of the vehicle or stay cool in the 
in the summer by also running the gas and the air conditioner. Yeah, I can so, imagine. Yeah, and and I do recall, and I'm sure you you remember hearing these stories too, where, um, you know, airbags. There was a lot of you know people trying to rip those out, and they would throw them off the, you know, the uh, auto racks in the slow areas when they'd all jump in. You know what I mean? There's always those sort of zones where the rail car slows down. They would jump in, climb in through at the top, as you say, and start trying to rifle different things and parts out. And I remember airbags was a a big target. And even the keys of the cars, I think that was also another huge issue at one time. Exactly. And uh, mixing centers, they leave the cars, the keys in the car because they're so vast. In many cases, there are so many vehicles, they they can't uh, really run a, a good key system. And then there's the catalytic converters, which are probably the most attractive part to take off of a vehicle these days. So anyway, there's plenty of incentive to get inside. Some of the other risk factors, though, for auto rack shippers, it really boils down to whether the rail car is moving. Uh, if the if a car is loaded at uh, a mixing center and then sent to a a switching yard. And if it sits on a sidetrack for any length of time, particularly, let's say, over 24 hours, there's a good chance that uh, people who just want to mess with the with the vehicle will get involved and try to figure out how to get in and maybe just cut a cable or make an attempt to cut a bolt. Of course, if it's a hardened one, they're not going to get it open with a bolt seal cutter. But uh, that's that's where the risk lies, and that's why a hardened bolt seal is the recommended type of seal to lock these things up. But they can get into anything if given enough time and determination. So there is organized crime stealing vehicles, but they're going to take typically take a softer uh, target, like just getting into a mixing yard. Uh, at an odd time, you know, at night. Nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> but of, yeah, but of course, that the, those vehicles were not inside of a rail car. So what I'd heard also has happened uh, not too long ago was a, a rail car sitting on a sidetrack and some determined thieves that got inside, but they had to uh, come up with a way to ramp the vehicles off the rail car and they couldn't slide the ramps out. So they decided to use a garage door <laughs> for a ramp. And you can imagine what happened when they tried to back a a vehicle down a garage door. Wow. Holy, oh. that's a, that's a you can't make this stuff up uh, situation, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You know, it's funny, you know, we talk about this all the time, especially you and I, you know, people have been in, in the industry for a long time. It's, it's a, a lot of it's about making your shipments a hard target, right? If it's not appealing, if it's going to be too much effort and it requires, as you say, uh, that time and the tools, because we both know if you have those, then pretty much you can get into anything. Um, you know, you're going to move on to an easier target. That's right. Um, you mentioned tools, but the hardened bolt seals that uh, that we sell are they all require a tool to easily remove the bolt at destination. So we are controlling the issuance of these tools 
and we vet them to ensure that they are appropriate parties to receive one of the tools. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that, you know, another layer of security that we offer people having to, you know, requiring a unique removal tool. It's not like you can go down and, and buy this out of a, you know, Home Depot or something. You can only get it through us. We track it, log it. Um, we even control who buys it. Right. As you know, we, you know, permissions and controls are put into place to make sure that just some random person saying, oh, well, I was told to order these if they don't have that authorization we won't sell it to them, right? So we take a, a lot of steps uh, to prevent people even from trying to sneak and get a tool to get something like that. Yes, and uh, barcoding of rail car seals. Uh, many manufacturers are starting to barcode them and actually keep track of seals and seal numbers on each and every rail car. Um, it's easy to barcode certain types of seals, particularly anodized aluminum bodied cable seals. And then uh, our new generation of auto bolt seals, uh, the hardened type uh, with the global auto lock that we manufacture to be the probably the easiest to barcode. And then I also am fond of the uh, greenish fluorescent greenish color of the locking body for the front of the uh, of the rail car. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a good fit. And, and uh, you know, I recall the push. I, I'm not sure if it was Toyota by themselves, but I remember many years ago that push to the barcoding, which makes perfect sense. Uh, people leveraging their ERP systems to uh, verify it and track it. And we both know people were typically writing the number down on the BOL and sometimes somebody's handwriting versus somebody else's. And you know, you don't want to have somebody rejecting a load or questioning it. it takes away that that you know concern of uh, somebody's handwriting not being legible to. Yes, and I do believe it did come from Toyota. Uh, in fact, Georgetown, Kentucky's uh, manufacturing site was the first location to receive those barcoded seals from us. They were global auto locks, and uh, we just had to work through some technical challenges of getting the barcode to read on the green bodied seals. The uh, neutral on the global auto lock is white, so that's easy. But as of now, all colors can be barcoded. Excellent. Yeah, I know we've made many ad advances in that area. And um, I just I can't believe we've been at this for for over 20 minutes. So I'll um, I'll just wrap it up here and just say, like, thanks so much for, you know, spending some time here with us. I know you're probably getting ready to hit the road and, and go for meetings. But I wanted to get somebody on that, you know, obviously was an expert for the automotive industry and been doing this for a long time, like uh, myself. But, um, you know, down the road, we'll definitely have to reconnect again. And I'm sure there's a few other industries we can we can talk about. But thanks so much for for joining us today, Scott. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for for your time, Jeremy. Have a great day. You too. Um, to our listeners, uh, stay on the lookout regarding our 150th year celebration content. Uh, we just posted a great blog actually covering one of our founders, Emil Titan, who created the Titan Ball Seal. And if you wish to learn more about Tidenbrook Solutions, please take a moment to review our website at tidenbrooks.com, or you can follow and share our content on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook.